Good morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ. During this final Sunday of Ordinary Time, we celebrate the great solemnity of Christ the King, also called the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. Jesus is not only King of the world, but King of the Universe. What a lit title for Jesus. <laughs> Take that, Captain America. For any of you that are over the age of 30, uh, lit means awesome. <laughs> but seriously, or maybe not so seriously, speaking of the universe, I don't know if you students know this, but I just got this little extraterrestrial alien friend. His name's Rafka. He just showed up on our rectory doorstep the other day, and it's kind of like when the stork drops off the babies on parents' doorsteps. And I was like, okay, cool, some priests have dogs, and now I'm going to have this little E.T. phone home alien friend. So Rafka doesn't know anything about the world that we live in, but he's super smart and he can understand English, and sometimes I kind of think he reads my mind. Also, in case you haven't noticed, this is a joke. <laughs> so after introducing Rafka to cold brew coffee, one of my favorites, I told him that this Sunday was solemnity of Jesus Christ the king of the universe. And when I said this, Rafka's little alien eyes got really big, kind of like the aliens in Toy Story, those squeaky toys, and he said, king? Ooh, ah. Which was shortly followed by the question, who is Christ the king, and, and where is his kingdom? So I explained to Rafka that God created all things, including time, the earth, all of creation, all of the universe, and including Rafka himself. But because of the sins of man against Almighty God, man was damned forever. But God so loved the world that he sent his only son to save the world, to save all of us from damnation. So through what we call the event, the incarnation, God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. God chose a lowly girl named Mary to have Jesus be born of a woman through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now my friends, this shocked my new little alien buddy, Rafka that God would choose to lower himself and be born as a human being. Not only is God born like us, but he's born in the very poorest of conditions in the small town of Bethlehem and laid to rest maybe on a piece of hay. Rafka quickly interrupted me and said, Father Chris, I thought you said this bro is the king of the universe. Why does the king of the universe come in the form of a little baby? Why is he human at all, and, and why is he born in the poorest of conditions? That doesn't sound like a king to me. I explained to Rafka that the king is not like the kings that he's read about in his alien textbooks about the history of empires of this world. This king was different. God became man so that we could know him, that we could relate with him, that we could draw close to him. So Jesus grows up in the backwater towns of Nazareth, and he taught the law, it was taught the law and the tradition of the Jewish people by his parents. And then we know he began, began his public ministry around the age of 30 and begins his mission to bring about his kingdom. He heals the sick, he cures the lame, casts out demons, raises the dead, and dines with sinners to make them saints. After three years of preaching about his kingdom and acquiring followers that we call disciples, he willingly gave himself up to the rulers of the time, and they put him to death on a cross. Now, my friends, at this point, Rafka tilted his head, and with his big alien eyes, he looked really puzzled. He asked me, 
Father Christ, how could a king be treated so horribly and then be put to death? If he is king of the universe, shouldn't he live forever? I responded to Rafka, patience, baby Yoda. (laughs) He didn't really appreciate that, so I apologized to him and then continued that saying that Jesus' death was not the end, that three days after his crucifixion, Jesus did conquer death and he rose from the dead. And then, my friends, it was an amazing sight. Rafka's little alien brain started to make all the connections and connect the dots. He told me, Father Chris, if Jesus truly rose from the dead, Jesus is who he says he was. He wasn't a liar. He wasn't a fake. He wasn't just a prophet. That Jesus is Lord. He is God and that he is truly king. Only God could rise from the dead and, and like he said, he would. And if he has truly rose from the dead, then everything that he preached about and that we have recorded in Scripture is true. Rafka then asked what happened after the king rose from the dead, and where is his kingdom? Well, Jesus ascended into heaven where he sits on his throne in his eternal kingdom, which we heard about in our gospel today, my friends. But he established his kingdom on earth through the church, which is guided by the Holy Spirit. I explained to Rafka that while on the cross, Jesus' heart was pierced and blood and water poured forth from his side, which was the birth of the church. And 50 days later, the young church, consisting of the 12 apostles and other disciples and Our Lady, they were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came down upon them as Jesus promised and set their hearts on fire to go bring his kingdom to the ends of the earth. These men and women believed in Jesus so much and in his mission and wanted to spend eternal life with him, that they gave up their lives for the gospel message of Jesus Christ, even to those who wanted to put them to death. They went out to conquer hearts and souls for Christ the King. Now, my brothers and sisters, at this point, Rafka, with his little alien eyes super wide and awe, asked me one question. Father Chris, does this church still exist today? And where is this king that rose from the dead? I gently told him, yes, Rafka, the church is the kingdom of God on earth. And its mission, our mission, my brothers and sisters, as modern-day disciples, is still to win souls for Christ, just like the first apostles and disciples did when they walked this earth. Your mission as a college student, my mission as a priest, our mission as a church is to conquer the world for Christ. My friends, does this mission of winning, conquering souls for Christ, How does it settle in your heart? Because many of us have bought into our culture's concept of tolerance, in which we basically say, you do you, and I will do me, and we'll just coexist. You live your life, and I'll live mine. As you probably know, many in our world today, maybe even some of you, believe that God is on the top of this mountain, and that all the world religions just have their own path up to God on this mountain. And our goal is just to find whatever path makes us feel most happy, whatever Zen meditation comes our way, whatever fuzzy feelings it gives us, whatever good vibes carry us through life together. You have your truths and I have mine. Your truth and my truth could both be correct if we want. No. My friends, that is relativism and is far from the truth. It says there's no absolute truth. The truth is, is that Jesus Christ is King. He is Savior. Jesus Christ is Lord, and there is none other. 
There can only be one true God. There cannot be multiple gods. If God is almighty and all-powerful, if he is being itself, then there is no room for more than one God. There's only one God, the Trinitarian God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. And Jesus, my friends, does not take on many forms. Buddha is not Jesus. Shiva is not Jesus. Good vibes from the earth is not Jesus. Jesus Christ is the God-man, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lamb of God, the Word made flesh. He is the one and only true God. Jesus Christ is King. Kanye West even can tell you that because he named an album after it. (laughs) And salvation is received only through Jesus. Salvation is received only through Jesus. How do we receive salvation, my friends? Through faith in Jesus Christ and through what we hear in our gospel today to care for the least of God's people, the poor, the lame, the naked, the prisoned, the lowly. Faith in Jesus Christ and our works, what we call the corporal works of mercy, are necessary to obtain salvation. And Jesus tells us that today in our gospel. Now, if you believe this truth, if you believe that the live in the living God, if you believe that Christianity, which is not just a nice idea, a nice concept, a nice set of moral norms, another organization in society, but is a religion that's founded on a loving relationship with the living person of Jesus Christ, then your life and my life should look different from the world. And we should want everyone in our lives to know this truth and to be transformed by it, to be transformed by him. My friends, if you came across the most amazing coffee in the world and it had the right smell and the best taste and it was just perfect, you'd want other people to also drink that coffee, right? Why would you want them to settle for something less? This was 100% the best coffee and you found it and you want all other people to drink the best coffee in the world. So you tell all your friends and family about it Now, on a much greater and much more serious scale, if you know that Jesus Christ is king, why would you not want all people to know of his great love and mercy and compassion that you yourself have experienced? My friends, we have become a tamed church. Overall, we live a tamed Christianity, a tamed Catholicism. It's like we're just a nice little moral system, a nice idea, a nice organization that allows the culture to sway us and water us down. Is that what we are? My friends, if we truly love someone, love being defined as to will the good of another, then we would want them to know Jesus Christ. We would want them to experience his goodness and his love, to be saved by him. But as you know and I know, in our world today, sometimes we are too nice. We're too cautious. We're too politically correct. Yes, we must respect atheists and Buddhists and Muslims and all non-believer brothers and sisters. Respect them, show them charity, but still stand by the truth that Jesus Christ is King and the only Lord. All right, so we have this foundation. So how do we win souls for Christ? How do we conquer the world for Christ? Firstly, through our prayers and sacrifices. My friends, are we praying for the conversion of the world? The conversion of our roommates, our families, those who are in our orgs on campus, conversion of our own hearts. 
I have a friend who prays for Ellen DeGeneres' conversion to Catholicism. I have another friend who prays for Lady Gaga's conversion to the fullness of truth. Why should we not? Then after prayer, secondly, to win souls for Christ, a question we can ask ourselves is how do we live our lives? Do we represent Christ? Do people see us living differently, knowing that we are Catholic, that we are Christians? And do they want what we have? Do they see the joy, the freedom, that hope that comes from our lives, from our families, from our friends? Do they know that we have hope because we have a king who's waiting for us in heaven, that this life is not it? My brothers and sisters, does your life proclaim that Jesus Christ is king? And finally, in winning hearts for Christ, after prayer and after how we live our lives, if the opportunity presents itself with boldness and courage that we talk to someone who does not know about Christ and tell about his goodness and his love, his story when he walked on earth that he died and that he rose again. My friends, we should desire that at the name of Jesus, all knees should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is evangelization, a radical call to bring all people under the rule of Jesus' kingship, never hitting them over the head with doctrine, but always inviting and encouraging them with charity, remembering in humility that all that we have received in this faith, the only reason we're here in this church today is because of God, that everything is gift from him. Now in 2016, the Parliament of Poland voted and passed a notion to make Jesus Christ King of Poland. How awesome is that? Today, Jesus Christ, if you look at the Polish law, says Jesus Christ is king. Now in our Pledge of Allegiance, it says we are one nation under God. But are we one nation under God? Is the most powerful and prosperous nation that has ever existed, the USA, a nation truly living under God? As we hear in our gospel today, every political power, every ruler, every visible and invisible power will be destroyed at the time of judgment when Jesus comes back and be subject to Jesus Christ, who will then offer the entire cosmos, the entire universe, all of creation to God the Father in his glory. Now, my friends, this doesn't mean that we're advocating for a theocracy or that the Pope should rule the world. But we should be a missionary church with hearts set ablaze to bring souls to Christ at the coffee shop, at the grocery store, on campus, in our workplace, and first and foremost in our homes. And my friends, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you today. Well, here's one thing. We forgot about our little alien Finn Rafka. <laughs> so after finishing my talk with my little alien buddy about Christianity, I was getting towards the end and I said, Rafka, I forgot the source and summit of our Catholic faith. And my friends, I think I almost killed the little fellow when I told him about the gift that God gives us in the Eucharist. Rafka's mind was literally blown when he learned that the king of the universe gives us his very body to receive at every single mass. That God's finite creatures, his creation, gets to receive him in their very bodies. The king of the universe enters your body and my body every time we receive the Eucharist at Mass. But my question to you all today is, how do we receive the king of the universe into our bodies? Is the reverence there? 
Is the holy fear there? Do we proclaim him as king when we receive him? Maybe it's something for you to think about in your own prayer time and as we continue on in this Mass, is how do I receive the king of the universe? What is on my mind? What is on my heart when I'm receiving him? My brothers and sisters, let our amen mean Jesus Christ is king. Friends, as we end this semester and head home for Thanksgiving and then Christmas, Christ is the king of the universe here in Aggieland and also back home. And your mission is to conversations you have with other people. Like we said, by your prayers, by the way you live your life, and by the conversations you have with other people, maybe with your family or friends back home. My friends, we have an amazing God who loves us dearly and who is in total control and who will one day, when he comes back again to judge the earth, will draw all things to himself and his kingdom will reign forever. But until that day, we have a mission given to us by Christ himself to win souls and to proclaim Jesus as King and Lord. Yes, it's a high task. Yes, it's challenging, sometimes uncomfortable. It makes us go outside of ourselves, makes us rely on the grace of God because the Holy Spirit is with us every step of the way. But this mission was given to us at our baptism. It's the mission of the church and every single baptized Christian. My brothers and sisters, I ask you today, will you join me in this quest, the greatest adventure of your life, to conquer souls and win souls for Christ? Because if you don't proclaim Jesus as king, and I don't proclaim Jesus as king, then who will? Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gig em.